Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Uh, welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today I have uh, Adam Lewis. Uh, welcome, Adam. Thank you, Julian. Nice to meet you and nice to be here. Yes, yeah, great. Great to talk to you. Uh, Adam is the CEO and founder of Aploy, uh, and you are a former Accenture management consultant and has a, a, a sort of deep HR tech and startup experience, which we really want to touch on. Uh, you obviously founded Aploy in 2013. And, and is now used by lots of recruiters in over 3,000 nursing facilities and retail location, which obviously has been quite um, used, I'm sure, in the last six months ago with all what's been going on. So the first question I always ask my um, guests really is, um, Adam, what, what do you love about what you do? So, you know, I'm, I'm driven by being able to create uh, innovation and, and change really with the drive to help people and companies find each other. So, you know, as you mentioned, kind of going back now to 2007, I was involved in a lot of management consulting projects um, and, and I got very deep into kind of the HR function within kind of large companies and looking at the transformation, the strategy. And, it, you know, one thing that struck me very quickly was when they were looking for new people uh, within large organizations, there was a very operational, um, you know, huge amount of resource and people looking at resumes and trying to make sense of a resume and then making hiring decisions based on that. And that really kind of drove the, quite a bit of my career really for the next 13, 14 years to say, really, there must be an easier way to connect up job seekers and companies um, more than a resume. Um, obviously, the world changed significantly in those years. People were mobile, mobile, mobilely connecting, but still a lot of the kind of initial applicant tracking HR, HR systems didn't have a simple way to apply by mobile. So, so really the whole way through but like these kind of last 13 years of being involved in the HR tech world, as you call it, um, has been with a drive and passion to make that process better because ultimately a job is what impacts someone's life. Companies can't survive without people. And the more technology and the more innovation that we can help drive to make that process simpler, mm. the better for both the job seeker and the company. Okay, and have you always known that about you, that interest in HR recruiting and tech? I mean, go back to, I don't know, when you were 20, was that purpose, that passion there, or was that just being born out of something that you've got, you've tried something and actually you, you found it? Yeah, so so really, I didn't have a clue what I was doing kind of earlier and actually uh, studied law at university um, and then, you know, jumped around a little bit until I got into consulting. And, you know, how it is when you get into a large consulting company in a very kind of junior position, they suddenly say, OK, you're going on this project. And then three weeks later, you're an expert in, in, that, in that field. So the rest of my time within consulting was spent largely within HR divisions, uh, back office operations. Um, and it was at a time uh, um, where there was a lot of need for cost reduction. So what, you know, very early on in my career, I was working in a large bank um, in a consulting project, and we were trying to reduce several hundred million dollars out of the back office of the bank. 
I was looking at the HR department and, and I literally saw many, many people involved in that recruiting function. And this was for hiring mid office, back office, you know, regular people, you call them regular employees in the, in the organization. But yet you had tremendous amounts of people looking at one resume after another, just literally looking at a resume and making a decision. And I was thinking to myself, number one, just the manpower involved in that, the fatigue mm. involved in that. And also just from, a, just from looking at the resume, how much you really understanding about the competencies and who the person is. And, and we all know that a lot of these kind of legacy enterprise HR systems, you know, have these types of catch-alls, right? All the tricks that we've heard about, put this in the, you know, make sure you put the job description in the resume so that you're not going to get screened out at the first the first phase. And that, that that drove me to like think, well, number one, just from a very practical point of view, if I want to try and help reduce costs, surely there must be technologies to help do that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I saw there really wasn't right? in those days, really even parsing, which is kind of getting resumes from an actual unstructured document into a structured format was just, you know, just beginning and just, uh, you know, being created. And then kind of later through that journey, I became very obsessed with particularly the hourly or you could call it the lower skilled type of talent, because these are the folks that really needed that connection the most, right? Obviously, if you've got a degree and you've got a very kind of focused career path, you're going to figure it out one way or another. Mm -hmm. but, but obviously, a large amount of people don't have conventional resumes and are trying to kind of grow their career um, in, a, in a much more ad hoc way, right? And so... I actually decided, and I actually wrote about this on Forbes years ago, uh, to go undercover in New York City and just walked into a bunch of retail, hospitality companies, pretending I was looking for a job just to kind of see the process myself. And after mm. applying to the likes of McDonald's and you know various other kind of Planet Hollywood, other companies, I, I just could not make it through the process, right? They were giving me uh, like small application forms on paper or telling me to go to a website that wasn't mobile optimized. And this really became a passion to try and figure this out. And, you know, really through Julian, really through several, several iterations, you know, am I where I am today? But that kind of overarching theme of trying to make that simpler for both the company and the kind of job seeker that mm. has become my, my drive and passion, you know, for, for several years now. Wow. So you're, you, it's interesting how you did that actual insights yourself, having saw a almost a back office in a huge organization and then thought, actually, uh, certainly for the lower paid ones, you did a almost a, a tried it yourself and see what, how it would work and gave you that insights, um, which is almost guess what you're doing today within your company now, isn't it? And that's what they do. And so you want to help people who, um, I guess, connect with employers uh, and therefore match them up and therefore get people jobs quicker than ever before and in a, in a painful, painless way. Uh, that would really match and, and honor them that way. That's that's great. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think about it, it helps both the company and the job seeker, right? If, you, if you've if you got a, a, an application process that that job seeker can't complete or can't complete it from a mobile device or relies on a, a kind of very standard resume, mm. that, that's going to block off potentially really good talent. And from a company's point of view, it really delays the uh, recruitment process um, and of course, that's not allowing them to hire really the best people. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And frankly, over the years, a lot has been done. There's been a lot of creativity within HR tech. And I'm glad to have had the opportunity to, to have been part of that. Mm. And obviously, there's always a bit of a, I suppose, 
a negative view on using tech in trying to screen CVs and, as you say, people try to fox it by putting various sort of tags of words or phrases to try and get through the automated systems. Um, what's your view on that? Because obviously I appreciate we want to make things simpler and easier to match up people who are looking for a job and people who need people, but we also don't want to miss, I suppose, the, the human element aspect that can be more valuable sometimes than a sort of automated screening system. Yeah, so look, I think technology has helped a lot tremendously um, in that, right? Over these last 10 plus years, um, obviously the obvious one is access, right? Everyone's got access, simple access to a webcam, right? I know that sounds crazy today, but you know, seven, eight years ago, that wasn't the case. So I think video has, has really opened up a lot of opportunity and especially for like a lot of these roles where personality, the passion, right? And as you mentioned at the beginning, we're very, employees very deep in healthcare and you know, a lot we do, we're, we're processing applications for a lot of nursing staff, that that kind of caring persona is really the most one of the most important criteria when you're hiring somebody, right? So to be able to allow them to screen via video or you know different various different formats as opposed to just a resume, that 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 in itself allows technology to help and not it's not just a black and white standard resume. The other the other thing that that we kind of focus a lot on is making the kind of recruitment application process process a lot more natural. Um, and if you think about it, like the very, you know, I would call them the older school formats, you would, you, uh, you know, which everyone's very familiar with, you would get to an application and it could be 25, 30 minutes long just to make it through. And it's a lot of different tabs. And, you know, you've got to really, if you miss one uh, field, it's, it, it, you know, it doesn't really necessarily kind of allow you to complete it. So it's like a very rigid type of form. Um, mm. And so the way that, that, that I think the uh, kind of, the world is evolving and especially the kind of recruiting technology companies and, and definitely us at Aploy is we try to think of the recruitment process in a much more of a natural place. So try and take away barriers. So allow, allow that kind of candidate with the most frictionless, effortless, you know, uh, ability to be able to say, hey, I'm interested in this job. And then try and get more information from them in, in a much more like a funnel, if you like, rather mm -hmm. than say, okay, give me everything up front. Because at this point, they don't know if they're the right fit. The company doesn't have the right fit. So why would you be wasting 30 minutes of their time getting kind of random static information, making decisions mm -hmm. on that? You need to, you know, tick boxes. You go through it and think about it like I want, you know, as a funnel. I want to learn more about that person mm -hmm. over the next few days and weeks. Okay, okay, that's I, I, that's a good approach in terms of almost piecemeal, but in a an approach that everybody can be get an understanding of the company or, or the individual and at some point pull out accordingly to what they find rather than spend, as you say, spending half an hour and hours applying. Um, now, just going back to your your, your journey as a, as, a, as a startup entrepreneur, uh, I'd be interested to know just a little bit of your learnings because obviously this year, as, as much as it's been quite devastating for people, uh, there's a lot of people who are, are setting up because they've been forced to or they've just decided they're going to go for it. And, you know, we go back to 2008's, you know, uh, recession that created Uber and Airbnb. And I'm sure this year we'll create some other form of um, companies that we'll be uh, talking about in many years to come. I guess just from your experience of the number of startups you've done, how have you sort of managed and navigated difficulties, whether it's a difficult year, difficult situation, and just give some examples where you've, 
I suppose potentially could have almost given up, but you you carried on and and just what what helped you carry on? What was it? Just really helpful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, anyone who says they've been in a startup without that being part of that roller coaster journey uh, is is very unique, right? I mean, I've I've certainly had that myself, and frankly, with my current company, Apply. Um, you know, we are we are a post pivot employee. We actually call it employee 2.0 a little bit because we've had a different version of that company that we started with back in 2014. Um, you know, it was a very different business, actually a different strategy, different go to market, uh, completely different. And, and ultimately, that company uh, didn't work out um, for various different reasons. And you know, I was faced with some very very tough decisions, some very 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 hard days. Um, you know, going back to beginning of 2016, really, we had to downsize the company tremendously. And at that point, you know, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs would have said, okay, it's time to start something else. It's time to, you know, move on. But, you know, myself and two other kind of key individuals, we stuck together. And, you know, I'll say why in a second, but I, I think really, we, the three of us to, had this kind of drive to make this work because we saw the opportunity and the opportunity drove us to keep, you know, to keep pushing forward. Uh, and it's very, very tough. I mean, you know, a pivot, whatever, however you kind of want to say what that the actual that process is, changing up a business, um, you know, reorganizing, it is incredibly, incredibly hard and it takes time. You know, just thinking about it, the customers, the brand, the morale inside the team, um, you know, how you're positioning yourself, all those things. Uh, it, need, it needs time to kind of reorganize and, and resurface. And, and, and I stuck with it because fundamentally, I saw the opportunity and I saw that there was still that um, challenge, right? Which, which even though we've really repositioned the go-to-market and how we're approaching that that kind of that that it that that opportunity, we, that 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 kind of fundamental um, you know issue and challenge that I, met, that I described before of really not companies and, and candidates not connecting still existed. We didn't crack it the first time around. In fact, we failed at it, but by we then kind of go deeper in it. So we understood it better. So we, you know, we'd spend more time understanding what really the problem was and actually maybe there's a better way to solve it. So, you know, we came out of that, out of that stronger. It took two years really from, from the beginning of 2016 to the end of 2017, really just the three of us stuck together, repositioned, really really honed in on what the actual product and the product market fit to the industry that we wanted to solve was and then we kind of launched it with a lot of strength and you know it was very very tough it was tough personally emotionally physically um and of course it would have been much much easier to have just kind of given it up but when you're you know i i am very very driven um you know to crack this nut and and you know, luckily enough, I, I was surrounded by people that still believed in me uh, and believed in the opportunity, which made it a lot easier. And that, you know, as I said, that kind of allowed us to come out a lot, a lot, lot stronger when we kind of relaunched the company. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it was very trying. It was it was two of the hardest years of my life. Uh, a lot of sleepless nights, um, a lot of emotion. It, obviously, it came back into my own personal life, my family life. But you push through and mm -hmm. you persevere and and really. You know, I think I think you learn from those times the most, right? I think I think anyone, you know, you, you don't you don't really learn um, as much as when you go through such a trying time as as as, as that. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it, so when you launched back in two thousand thirteen fourteen, you obviously launched in 
in the opportunity that you saw uh, and you tried it for a few years and in your words it sort of failed or wasn't resonating wasn't hitting there um and i guess that's where you and it's interesting you, you you actually the actual failure created the learning created the greater insight the deeper insights did you have a was it was it a moment where you 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 sat down with these other guys or ladies i don't know what they were but in terms of and just i don't know did you do a, like a away day did you just just have some time together thinking things through and and I appreciate you. It was the opportunity that was kept you going, but you must have had a lot of, I don't know, say things going around you that just seemed just not working. It's just not work. What what was it? Was there any other any other things that kept you going? Was it conversations with other individuals? Was it just that you say you're driven and you just saw this opportunity? And I, I, I know we can crack this. What was that sense of belief? I don't know. What was it? It's been interesting to sort of dig a bit deeper to that. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, fundamentally and, and most importantly, it was that there was this nut to crack and I was driven to do it. And I thought that I wanted, I'd spent so much time really focused on it in, in a different version that I, that now, you know, it would be, it would, I didn't want to waste that opportunity, right? I'd learned so much. I was so deep in this space. And, and frankly, now, you know, I, that that gave us the focus and the strategy to kind of come out and, and kind of build what we built to in, in, in a different way, but ultimately, again, solving that same big overarching problem. Uh, two was really um, the two um, guys that did stick with me, right? Obviously, that you know, it's it's impossible to do something alone. Uh, mm-hmm. And really, three people is, is as lean as you can get. But I was lucky enough, um, you know, my CTO, Shirag Patel, um, and kind of our head of customer success, Josh Reese, the three of us had already worked together really since the pre-pivot times. We knew each other and, and that gave us a great opportunity to, to really understand every piece of the new business and new product and new go-to-market that we were launching, right? And now obviously the company's a lot larger, but the three of us, we still know every single piece of the business very, very well, right? And, and, mm. and a lot of the time startups don't get that opportunity because you grow very quickly and you're building very quickly, but we'd been together so long. And you know, I was running all the sales side of the business for a long time, Josh, all the customer side, Shirag, the technology side, that we got very, very deep in the weeds that that typically I don't I don't think is typical. And then the third thing is, you know, I had a um an investor who's, you know, who's really become a good friend of mine and has been with me um, you know, really since the beginning, uh, Daniel Lyons, who um, you know, was with me at every stage. And, and I think his continued belief in in myself and the opportunity was a third kind of element that those three things together, the, 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 my drive, my passion, and my desire to succeed, um, having a very bare bones, but yet still a team, and also um, someone on the investment side, uh, mentorship side um, to be there. I, th- I think that kind of allowed us to get through those very, very difficult years. And have you finally cracked this nuts that you set out to do, or is there still things that you you're pursuing in, in this context you're in now? Look, I mean, you never completely crack the nut. I'd like to say that we're a lot, lot, lot further along the journey than we were mm. uh, back in 2017. Uh, you know, as you, as you mentioned, like several thousand organisations are using our technology on a daily basis. Um, you know, we're processing tens of thousands of job applications per day, right? So definitely um, have scaled to a place that um, I'm very grateful and appreciative 
Uh, I don't take anything for granted. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, there's we learn more as the world, as you say, 2020, the world changes, the world's changing faster than ever, obviously now. So both internally and externally, we had a lot of things within the company strategically that we needed to change. Mm. You know, I'm really happy that, that the company has been able to go fully remote and still succeed. But even within the core, um, that kind of core overarching problem, you know, we get deeper and deeper and we see little more intricate things that we want to try and solve to make that process even easier. For example, you know, as I mentioned, healthcare is, is our prime industry. You know, over the last couple of years, one of the big challenges in onboarding healthcare staff um, beyond the recruiting and onboarding components is actually credentialing, right? Making sure that the nurses are, are appropriately credentialed. Mm-hmm. So we've heard that we've had that over the years. And, you know, a few months ago, we actually decided to acquire an early stage healthcare credentialing platform and now integrating that into our core product. Because as you say, Julian, like you've never, ever, you're never, ever there, right? I, I don't think you're ever there, right? You're always trying to kind of build and keep innovating, keep listening to customers. That's been one of the most important things that we do is that we have, you know, we're very fortunate to have incredibly passionate customers who become advocates to share their, um, you know, to share their the opportunities that they see for our platform. <clears throat> and really for us, it's listening to them and continuing to develop and continue continuing to improve our solutions. Okay, that's good. So you're still in that sort of learning mindset, um, which is interesting because, you know, I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who then, you know, it goes from entrepreneurial to more of an established business. And then sometimes four or five years later, it's got so big and they've, lost their agility they've lost their spark they've lost their almost their pulse really how are you and i'm assuming you've still got it uh, in your organization how do you and even going forward which you know when you scale and scale how do you keep that sort of entrepreneurial spirit which i presume you want to keep because obviously you, that's who, who you're about because uh, often if you know entrepreneurs become serial entrepreneurs they sort of, you know, and you may end up other other business but i'm saying in this current business how are you keeping that sort of, I guess, that passion and that that sense of agility alive? So I, I would say number one, it's as the company grows and more people join a team, it's really about empowering the team to be creative and to allowing them to really innovate and collaborate, right? Obviously, I'm not involved in every single piece of the business that I was, you know, a few years ago. And I can't be. It, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense for me to be. So what I try and do is delegate as best as I can. And I'm very fortunate to have really a tremendous uh, leadership team uh, of seven, you know, really top, top people who frankly are much better than me in, in their respective fields, right? So now obviously there's someone who's leading product and tech and sales and, and everything else, and they're growing out their own teams. And, you know, for me, I see my role um, as as more of as a guide, you know, trying to drive the overarching strategy and obviously pulling that team together. But, you know, I really don't always, I'm not always right. And I try and listen to the team and I try more than anything to empower people to continue to bring ideas, to continue to push things, right? It doesn't, it doesn't center around me as the founder. It actually centers around the entire team. And, and as long as you kind of build that, um, safe environment where people can really feel number one obviously they enjoy what they're doing they feel passionate about what they're doing they feel part of that journey and they feel actually they're it's it's actually they're part of that and they're creating a lot of that 
then mm. I think you still create that even with a larger organization. And I'm, I'm seeing that firsthand. You know, we, we've been so lucky to really just be hiring really top, top talent, people that are energetic, that they're excited about the overarching strategy. And I, that's my thing is to kind of keep, you know, telling the story mm. of this is where we're trying to go and this is what we're trying to achieve. But then this is your this is your world now. You know you're running this piece of it, and 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 empowering them to do that. It doesn't have to go through any approvals. You know, as as in kind of corporate America, you know, you would expect, you know, very you know slow processes, and you know often a lot of kind of top down uh, type of leadership where, um, you know, people in the on the actual floor need to kind of get approvals for everything. Yes, obviously we're still running a business and and a structure. And and frankly, one other point I'll mention is is you know, we have been very um, effective at implementing some really great tools that have helped mm. with allowing this kind of knowledge share um, and process kind of to, to, to happen effectively, even in a remote workforce environment as we find ourselves today. So so kind of bottom line is, is, is really number one is the empowerment, I think is the most important thing. Mm. And number two is, you know, giving them the tools and the ability to actually execute. Brilliant. That's really good because I think a lot of businesses out there that can learn from that, even if they're an established hundred years old, to continue to empower their individuals and to then allow that creativity and allow that agility to continue. Because I think, you know, we're in a time where you have to be agile. Um, whether you're, you know, you know, a Heinz of this world, which I used to work for, uh, to your your business, you know, it's um, agility has got to be part of how we navigate. Uh, challenges and not just talking about COVID here I'm talking about any challenges there's always going to be challenges regardless of the situation and it's having that ability to move quite quickly uh, in, a, in a manner that's obviously aligned to the purpose or mission of a company um, now you've obviously gone to the whole remote working because and you said you you quite liked the office environment um, which fills me that you're quite a people person you like being around people which is great um, how have you, I guess, personally managed that and, and worked with that, but also how have you kept the team in that sense of keeping that energy alive uh, of within the remote context? So I think it's a real challenge, and, and it will continue to be a challenge because I know we're getting used to it, but we're still bouncing in and out of lockdowns all around the world. And, um, yeah. you know, we I know I was talking to businesses that were all going to go back to work or back into the office October this here in the UK, and that got put on hold. <laughs> I think people are now like in April next year. So how do you keep that that energy and that passion and that drive and that enthusiasm going and communication as well? Yeah. So, I mean, you're totally right that prior to the pandemic, I was really a huge advocate for office-based environments. And, and I think, you know, there is still a bit of that kind of cultural component, which is, is a lot, a lot harder um, without that. And, and I, I still believe that. But I think in terms of efficiency and um, keeping that passion, we, we've really been able to um, come at, come through this very successfully. In fact, you know, the, the past several months have actually been some of our best months from a business point of view. Um, and I think there's two things. One is, um, you know, even prior to pandemic, we've had a lot of the tools in place in the company that people were already using, right? So it wasn't like suddenly uh, now we've got to implement a Slack, or now we've got to implement a Notion for kind of knowledge sharing. You know, a lot of these types of things were already there. We we're already using them. So everyone had laptops and, and effectively it, it was, okay, you were doing that in the office. Now you're doing that remote. And, 
you know, some of some of the best tools that we use every day. I'm, you know, I'm sure very well known. Um, you know, things like Slack, we wouldn't be able to live without that. Internal communication, sharing, Zoom. You know, we've actually gone very deep into Zoom now. So that's obviously regular Zoom, but now we have Zoom phones. So we actually kind of replaced our whole internal phone system with Zoom wow. phone. Um, which again, I can now speak on the phone uh, through the actual office system. You know, obviously anyone can wherever they are. Uh, and then the other big thing is Notion, which uh, I don't. It's probably less well known, but you know, it's still an incredible platform. Uh, Notion.io, where you know we we literally have spent a lot of investment building that out. So everything from our roadmap, our product requirements. Um, sales information, everything is kind of housed within that. And it's it's almost like a kind of um, Google, um, you know, Sheets, Docs, plus a lot more, uh, you know, types of uh, project management software all within one uh, one solution. So that's been very, very useful and honestly a backbone to the company. Mm-hmm. And then obviously making sure the CRMs, we actually implemented a really great billing system. So a lot of these systems were there to allow us to do that and to actually not need to be actually in person, right? So there's nothing about our work that needs us to be in person. Secondly, on the actual um, cultural piece is, you know, really, you know, there's been a couple of people, I'd say one, Amanda, um, actually, who introduced me to you, um, who's, I would say, is kind of spearheaded the cultural side of remote um, collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know that, 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 that she's done a tremendous job with that. And, and, and really, every other week, we have a all-hands company-wide meeting where mm. everyone turns up on Zoom. And for the first you know, half of it, it really is kind of going around the company. Everyone's giving updates as to kind of what their teams have been working on, maybe a few product demos. But the full second half of it, um, you know, we'll have an event where it can be an online scavenger hunt, um, types of, you know, uh, mm. you know ty- uh, different types of kind of quizzes, and things like that. And, and it, it actually, through Zoom, it can actually be quite collaborative. So a lot of the time, we'll actually go into, out into breakout sessions. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm, and I'm suddenly sitting there with four or five people that even in the office, I wouldn't have necessarily had that opportunity to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to give her kudos, you know, for driving that and others have been involved in it. Um, and last thing is we actually implemented a really good solution, which I'll give a, give a shout out to called Assembly. Um, and this solution was actually started by um, a guy called John Fields, who we worked with closely uh, as a partner at ZipRecruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he left ZipRecruiter to kind of create this company assembly. And it, it, it's what it basically is, is a employee uh, recognition software. Mm-hmm. So what, what we have found is a lot of times people just want to be recognized, right? Just, you know, and, and recognize number one for keeping and maintaining our company's values but even if you just did something a little bit of above and beyond, it's peer to peer. So yes, I as a manager can give it to other people in the team, but really mm-hmm. anyone can give to anybody. Um, and we've kind of gamified it a little bit. So like we give a currency, which we call a points um, to the folks and it's all integrated with Slack. And ultimately, once you get a certain amount of those currencies, you can actually redeem certain types of prizes and you know, people can then mm-hmm. you know, give emojis and thumbs ups. And it's really helped with that kind of day to day uh, you know, employee culture. Wow, that's that's interesting because I think you obviously from a tech back background are using tech in a big way, and that's great. But the fact that you've 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 honed and using Amanda the whole sort of cultural people piece as well, which is really important because I think a lot of companies are, are using the tech and are getting quite okay. But actually, having keeping culture or people at the core of it all, and um, whether that's events, quizzes, or various things, and then 
adding that whole, um, I suppose, uh, appreciation type of value piece uh, where people get rewarded in a nice and a quite a good way and a quite a public way. I think that's really helpful. And that's that's keeping that motivation. And obviously, I guess you're finding that as helping. Um, just uh, we're coming to the end of our time together. Uh, as always, these things, it just whizzes by. Um, I really do thank you for coming on. I thank you for your time. And I thank you for your insights on what you're trying to do within the whole sort of HR sort of recruitment, particularly within the sort of nursing uh, uh, sort of sector, but also your startup uh, sort of learnings. Uh, they've been quite valuable. And I think they're really good for uh, not just startups, for people in current companies now to actually help keep that agility and that sense of being an entrepreneur and keep moving forward. Um, I love your passion. I love your drive. love your energy. Um, it's great. And the fact that you are from the UK, but you sound more American than you do from the UK. Uh, that's, only, that's only to a Brit, actually. <laughs> exactly, I'm exactly. very, very British. Yeah. Uh, but anytime I speak to any of my family, anyone in England, they think I sound American. So. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's fine. It's fine. My daughter's in, in Canada, so she's um sounds very Canadian, but weirdly Canadian out there now because she's got this twang with the, the UK. Um, right. yeah. how, how can people get in touch with you uh, in terms of they want to sort of connect with you in terms of your, what you've done and if they've seen this or heard this on the podcast? Sure. So, I mean, anyone can reach out, you know, I'm obviously on LinkedIn, Adam Lewis, uh, you can look up at Ploy, A-P-P-L-O-I. Um, and my email is just adam.lewis, L-E-W-I-S, at apploy.com. Brilliant. Well, thank you for coming on, Adam. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so uh, much. Amanda, Amanda, who recommended you, so that's always good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Julian. It was really great chatting. I appreciate the time as well. Thank you. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends, and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.